Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we are with Dr. Jade Tata, and we're going to talk about Next Level Human. <music> Jade, what's up, man? What's going on, everybody? Nice to see you. How you doing? How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for for being here. I'm super excited for you to come on the show. I know Nicole is super excited as well. I can speak for her on that. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a great episode, great podcast. I wanted to just talk a little bit about you, your background, just so our audience that may not know of you just so that they get a little familiar with who JT is. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a long story. I'll try to make it short, but um, let's see. I started personal training at 15 years old, so people are always like, that's kind of a big deal. They always ask, how did that happen? Well, I started uh, with football and started writing programs for people on the football team way back then, and even their family members, mostly their moms. And that brought me into a love of nutrition and bodybuilding. So I went through this stage where I was very much into nutrition and bodybuilding, which then got me interested in biochemistry, the chemistry of what goes on in the body. And at that time, it was all about, hey, let me try to build muscle and get as lean as I can. And I was parlaying that information into the personal training realm. Then I got to a point in my career where I was getting ready to go to medical school. And um, I think I told you all this uh, before, Nicole and Daron, I think I've told you, but a lot of people don't know this, that when you go to medical school and you're looking at the curriculum, one of the things I thought perhaps very naively at that time was that I was going to get an education in nutrition and exercise. And that was not the case at all. And at that time, being sort of naive, I was very, uh, you know, sort of thrown off by that. And uh, was confused about what I was going to do. Actually, it was a, a time in my life where I kind of was like, all right, now what am I going to do? Because was, that was my plan up to that point. And I found um, a school in um, Seattle, Washington called Bastyr University, which was one of four schools at the time in the country that trained primary care physicians in alternative and complementary medicine. If you can imagine, this was back mm-hmm. in the late 90s. At that time, functional medicine, alternative medicine, complementary medicine was like witchcraft. I mean, it was like <laughs> everyone that I knew was like, Jay, do not go into that field. Um, however, I was one of these guys that just knew what I wanted to do, knew that I wanted to study lifestyle medicine. So I took a risk. I had no idea it was going to be such a huge field, you know, sort of 20 years later. And um, one more sort of uh, bend to this story was after I got out of medical school, I really found that I was uh, more teacher than clinician. I was very much in a clinical sense for seven years or so. But during that time, I started writing a lot, blogging a lot, wrote a best-selling book. And then that sort of launched sort of this very different sort of approach of teaching online. And so now um, bring me to today and you kind of got a mix of a, you know, alternative, you know, doctor, medicine doctor who specializes in lifestyle medicine, a psychology geek. I have probably every coaching certification that they (laughs) gave from the years of 19 99 all the way up till about five years ago. I mean, just too many to name. And I'm a philosophy geek. So I specialize in mind, muscle, and metabolism. I guess I'm most well known um, for my specialty in 
endocrinology, functional endocrinology, specifically female hormones. And I know that's not really what we're going to talk about today, but it does sort of um, bring me to sort of, uh, I guess, launching into this discussion. One of the things I found through this entire journey is that while I started out having an interest in physiology, what I started to understand is that psychology leads physiology. And so one of the things that happened is my psychology background started to dominate. And now most of what I do is in the psychological realm, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Great. So it's, it's cool because it's almost like you kind of had that, that foresight when you were learning and educating yourself. And you were like, I want to get into this style of medicine and practice. And it's almost to me, like for, for me and Nicole, from our standpoint, we just look at it as like, well, that's just the way it should be done. Right. And it's almost yeah. like a no brainer. Like you knew how it should be done and you had the foresight on that. And then the industry yeah. seems to have caught up to the, the, some of the things that you're doing now and the functional medicine and focusing on nutrition and, and just taking that kind of holistic approach. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. One of the things that I think is really important is when we tell a story like this, right? People, people can kind of make the mistake and they just go, Oh, well, um, you know, Jade was like, you know, step A, step B, step C. One of the things that happened though at each of those steps was some real agonizing and real confusion and real sort of soul searching about what was my purpose? What was my meaning? What was I most suited to do? And along the way, I had some of the people I respected the most in the world, my brother, my, my father, um, siblings, you know, my sister, my mom, uh, my friends and family, a lot of them telling me, Jade, don't do that, right? Like, don't make that move. But there was this inner voice inside of me that was kind of going, you know what, I just don't feel like the traditional drugs and surgery. Not that there's anything, there's nothing wrong with that. I just felt like that wasn't for me. And, and what's interesting about that, right, is, is, is we each kind of go on our own path in sort of finding our sort of um, purpose. What I think happens is the first thing, the first stage you have to go through is understanding your passions and understanding that passions are not something you want to get stuck on, but they can guide you. They begin to point you a little bit. And then as those passions get deeper into your sort of psyche and you kind of want to revisit them again and again, like for me, it was fitness and then it was nutrition and one of the things I found throughout that time is there was this little thing that I was doing no matter what I learned and that was I always wanted to coach and teach and by the time I was a physician there was another one of these things where I was like okay I know I'm supposed to be in the clinic I know I'm supposed to be doing this but I feel like my I'm best suited to teach and that was another huge jumping point where I was like I'm gonna start writing and by the way I'm, I'm, I still, you know, don't see myself as a writer, even though I've published seven books, I had to convince my psychology and let my brain see me being a writer and a teacher. And now, finally, I'm starting to see myself that way, even though I've been doing <laughs> it for 15 years. And this is what the journey that each of us have to go through. And I know you two starting this podcast, right, is something also as creators that you probably went through. It's something that all the listeners probably go through where they're sort of saying, what am I most suited to do? I'll shut up here in just a minute. But one of the hints to this is when you look at this, one of the big mistakes, I got lucky. And I think you two perhaps too, right? We're, we're doing what we love. Our work is our purpose. Yeah. One of the big mistakes though people make is they think that their job has to be their purpose. When most of the time, I think um, most people don't have their job as their purpose. Their job finances their purpose. 
but each of us, I do believe, has to go on this, quote, hero's journey that I just discussed for myself to get there. And it can be a tough ride because everyone doubts you until they don't. And they mm -hmm. stop doubting you when you stop doubting yourself. And it's just this very little trick of the psyche that we each have to conquer. So I think it's an important concept because it's not as easy, I think, as it sounds when we tell it in hindsight, you know, but uh, that, that whole process was sort of a beautiful learning process for me. Jade, did you sneak into my house and read my diary? <laughs> <laughs> because, look, because real, real talk, it's those things that those mental barriers that you have to go through and those hurdles that you have to jump through. And, you know, for me, I've jumped out of the field yeah, of what I'm that. passionate about. And Nicole and I talk about this all the time. And Nicole's like, oh, every time she's like, what are you doing? And <laughs> it's, it keeps just pulling me back in. So mm -hmm. I end up just having to face the reality of the scary things of who, where I'm not now and what I want to become and the mental barriers that you as, as an individual have to, you have to get through those hurdles. You have to shut the voices up, right? Which was part of what, you know, this podcast came about with the silver lining of COVID for me was I'm able to shut out the outside world and the talk because I was inside isolated, quarantined in my own mind and all of those thoughts and, and the conversations with other people kind of stop, right? And then you're just like, all right, okay, I can do this. It's cool stuff when you're, when you're doing what you're passionate about and then you finally realize that you just got to take those steps, those hard steps, right? Starting a podcast, starting video content, all those things for us, those are the hurdles that we're jumping through now. Yeah, you know, it's funny, right? So watching this happen for those listening, one of the things when you start to make that, so as Duran and Nicole sort of make those jumps, right? What ends up happening is what your brain has to see you. Your brain is watching you all the time. So this is a, a psych psychology principle called the as if principle. Your brain, most people think it's just you got to think the thing, but your brain is actually watching you to do the thing. And when it sees you start to do the thing, it goes, oh, Duran's serious about this. And all of a sudden things start to, um, things start to happen. And to me, what it, it's not that, you know, this whole idea that the universe, you know, sort of has your back and there's this magic going on. It's just that all of a sudden your awareness expands. It's kind of like yes. um, the best way that I explain this is when you're getting ready to buy a new car and you have a certain car in mind and you have a certain color in mind and all of a sudden that color and that car starts showing up everywhere as if by magic. Well, that <laughs> color in that car was there all along. It's just that now your awareness sort of opens up. So then when something happens like COVID or a breakup or pain and change and all of these kinds of things, all of a sudden your brain goes, ah, this is an opportunity. Whereas before it wouldn't, before it'd be like, this is a problem. But as soon as you begin to do the thing, all the opportunities began to become aware for you. So COVID for you, Daron, which is really cool, right? It was kind of like, oh, this is my opportunity because your brain probably started to see you taking some of these steps. And then it was like, okay, now I dare you, bro. I dare <laughs> you. Now it's time, right? And your brain goes, it's the opportunity now. And then when you step into that, this is how it sort of happens. And you'll see that many people who are, um, you know, quote, successful or having success, one of the things they are doing is they are looking at the world in this way. They don't get scared by the thing. They, well, they actually, they do get scared by the thing, but they don't get deterred by the fear, right? The fear essentially says, okay, I've got to leap. And it's not leap and, you know, um, you know, 
the net will appear. It's leap and weave the net as you fall. And that's what we each have to do sort of on this journey. So I love your sort of thought process there because I think each of us gets stuck sometimes in that space and then something will happen. We all know what this is like, right? I mean, one of the ones that always happened with me is romantic stuff, right? All of a sudden the romantic thing will implode or it will be, you know, and, and romance is a really interesting way to help you look at your own stuff. And then once you move out of that, you have the opportunity to either one, go back into the same pattern or two, grow and evolve. And this is with every sort of thing in life. And so I love, I just think that's such an amazing way of you seeing COVID of sort of being like, oh, this is my opportunity. This is my chance. Not this is like, oh my God, I got to lock down. Because think about it, a lot of people in your shoes would have been like, oh my God, I got to lock down and do what I've always done because you know I don't know if this other thing's going to work and I got to at least make ends meet here. So it's a really interesting sort of process when you start looking at life like that. It's almost like, Life gives you the perfect thing. I don't think it's magic. I just think your brain opens up to start seeing all the difficult stuff as now opportunities instead of uh, failure points and fear points. Yeah, I have always been taught to, I've been thinking about this a lot in the past couple of days leading up to us recording this podcast, like when challenging things. So I was engaged to be married. We broke up three months before the wedding. I started a business and then we shut down the business. Like all of these staple like moments or pains that I've had, I've always been taught that during those times, if you start to ask yourself the raw questions, like, you know, what could I have done better? What was I thinking? How did I get here? All of those types of things are the steps to that next level of growth. Um, So I started journaling about this and I was thinking to myself, like, what was it that really hurt about this breakup or about our business shutting down or, or deciding to close the business or whatever. And it's really interesting that, because you talk about fear a lot in Next Level Human being kind of a driver. And a lot of the times when, when I thought I wasn't afraid and I was taking like such, you know, <laughs> big challenges, I was so afraid. I wasn't really acting out of not being afraid. I was really taking those chances just out of fear. And so asking those questions and taking a step back really has helped me to answer them really raw and really honest, which can sometimes be very hard to do when you're going through something difficult. But I feel like that honesty is really empowering. So now I no longer fear that. And I feel like I can answer those questions with a lot more honesty within myself so that the next, you know, whatever decisions I make going forward, I feel more confident. So I feel like action empowers you to take those steps with more confidence. Yeah, I I love that whole thought, Nicole. And let's make it let's make it even tangible for the listener, right? Like, here's Mm -hmm. the way I see it. Like, okay, so you all are listening to three people here talking. Now, each of us, me, Darone and Nicole have what I would call seed stories, right? These are these stories that we grow up with, you know, um, we, we tend to absorb the beliefs of our parents or our caretakers, maybe our early influences, like a teacher, maybe, maybe if we have siblings, we're, we're getting sort of these stories, right, about safety and about how to relate to people and um, all of these sort of things. And what happens is these seed stories, I call them seed stories because they're like a seed that was planted in your unconscious. We're largely unconscious before the age of sort of six years old. So this seed story starts to grow. And you start to get sort of this um, tree, let's say, branching out, and it starts to distort everything you see from that moment forward. It puts filters sort of over your eyes. Now, what happens is, I believe that when we then encounter pain, 
pain is an opportunity for us to be aware of those seed stories. So think about it. Here's how you know you got a seed story that's blocking you. If you get the same patterns repeating over and over again, the same, you seem to end up doing the same thing in relationships and you're, you're constantly like, it's like them, they're toxic people, they're this and that, it's these people, it's these people. Or you get repeated recurrent emotions constantly. Or you seem to get hit with the same obstacles like in finance or in health and fitness over and over again. To me, these are those seed stories popping up. And then what you said, I think is profound because what most people will do is they'll go, that's out there. That's not me. Mm-hmm. But I go always self-awareness where I just go, what is it about me that I keep running into this financial difficulty, that I keep running into the same emotions in relationships, that I keep having the same fears and the same obstacles keep coming up. And once you become aware of that, to me, I call this the, the path of pain. Pain is the path to purpose. It's almost like magic in a sense once you see it because you just go, isn't it interesting that the very pain I had when I was a kid is the same feeling that comes up in my romantic relationships is the same fear that manifests when I'm dealing with financial stuff and is the same issues that I face in career. And then you have to begin to dismantle that. So Mm -hmm. first become aware of those seed stories and then go, how do I want to live into being different? And this is when we essentially say, I'll give you guys an idea and you're going to think I'm weird, but I'll give you an idea. So obviously I've had success in my career, right? But I also, I'm an ambitious guy. So as I was just, I just left Los Angeles and drove up North Carolina. I've been splitting time, LA and North Carolina. Just bought a house in North Carolina and I'm going to be gone from LA for a little bit. And as I was driving, I drove across country and as I was driving, I've done this several times in my life, but I was like, Jade, who do you want to be now? Right? Mm -hmm. Who do you want to be? Well, I want to really be a successful author. I have goals around, you know, um, you know, uh, really making money just off my books, not off other programs. And I have to go, okay, you've gotten to the point where you've published seven books, but you still don't act like an author. You're still not being that. You don't even call yourself an author, right? You call yourself a personal trainer before you call yourself an author. So how am I going to be? And when I do that, I go, all right, it's almost like playing a role, like I'm a method actor. So I essentially say, I'm going to step into this role. If I was teaching to thousands of people on Zoom calls, right, which I have done and I want to do more of that. If I was on stage and getting speaking gigs as, as and I need to see myself signing books, speaking to large audiences, what am I wearing? How am I behaving? How am I talking? Right. And so part of me goes, well, Jade, you're kind of a bro. Like you use, you say bro, you this and that, you do all this. You're always wearing your, your uniform of t-shirt and, you know, jeans. And so I'm thinking, how do I dress? How do I be, how do I begin to behave differently to become this thing? And what have been the patterns and the emotions and the fears that I've been dealing with in the last 46 years? And how do I begin to overcome those, the ones that I haven't overcome yet? And then I began to formulate a plan. So what's interesting is I've showed up in North Carolina Partly Jade, L.A. Jade, and partly new author Jade. And I am living into that, which is really interesting, right? Because we all spoke, the three of us spoke, and we're like, hey, do you want to talk on metabolism? And just because I've been so aware, you, for whatever reason, as if perhaps by magic, you're like, let's do the next level human stuff because this is the stuff that we really dig with you. This is the stuff you're writing about. And I just go, that's all I've been thinking about, all mm-hmm. I've been acting with. I've, I've been... 1000% being that particular human and writing in that area. So it's not 
in my mind, a mistake that this is going on. And I'll say one more thing here, because I do want to, I know this can get woo-woo for people and people just go, oh, he's talking about the law of attraction or he's talking about, no, no, I'm not. I'm simply talking about the difference between thinking, doing, and being. When you're being something, you're automatically thinking and doing it, right? But when you're thinking it, you can think something without actually taking action. Yeah. You can also do something and check out. Being is when I walk through life and I actually go, I am this thing. So next time the Roan asks me what I do, right? I, you know, I'm probably going to say author next time. I'm an author, plain and simple. That's what I do. I write books for a living. And that's how you begin to make this change, if that makes sense. But I do think yeah. your pain points you to the, the negative patterns that you then have to dismantle by being this new thing. Otherwise, you wouldn't know how to be. So it's not fake it until you make it. It's sort of be it until you see it. But in order to be it until you see it, you really have to get very clear on what you've been doing in the past and what you need to be in the future, if that makes sense. You have to think it. You have to do it, right? You've obviously written books. You can't just, I, I am thinking about writing a book, so I'm an author, right? So you're, you're thinking it, you're living it, you're doing it. All the content that you're putting out there and right. that's what's coming. That's what I feel like is coming back to you is you're putting that out in the universe and we're over here, you know, moping around looking at, I wouldn't say moping, but like looking on, <laughs> on social media, like, Hey, like, you know what? We, we love JT that we love his, his content. We love him from a metabolic standpoint, but what else of value does he, does he have to bring? And you're already putting it out there. So it's coming right back to you with us saying like, Hey Jade, we really want to get you on the show and start talking about this stuff. This is what Deron's point is really interesting because guess what happened when I first started putting that stuff out? This is what, this is what people said. You know what? Stick, stick to what you do, man. I don't, I don't like this psychology stuff from you. And in my head, I'm like, too bad, right? And that's being it, right? That's, that's being yeah. it. And see, I was just going to say the complete opposite. When I, I mean, I've been following you for years and I love all your metabolism stuff. But when you started the next level human, I was actually even more intrigued. I was like, where is he going with this? Where is this coming from? I wanted to DM you and start asking questions like, what happened? Is, is something going on? Like, what did you start to question in your life that has gotten you to a place where you wanted to write a book like this? Hmm. So I was actually pretty intrigued by it. Uh, I love that. Well, you know, and, and actually you two will relate to this and actually everyone listening will relate to this. You know what happened? My pain happened. My shortcomings happened. I had, and I'm very open, I'll just share this with everyone. I had an affair. I betrayed my best friend. That affair though, which I got lucky and, here, and it was deeply painful. I got lucky because the woman I was having an affair with also betrayed me. So now I'm in this betrayal sandwich. And I say I'm lucky because I got to see the pain from both sides. I got to see what an utter disappointment and coward I was, but I also got to feel the utter pain and disappointment that my wife was experiencing from the other side. And when you get that kind of pain and you don't run from it, what I saw was, wow, this is not who I want to be. Now, here's what's interesting about that though, because this is how passions and pain work together. Because prior to that experience, guess what? I had been reading self-development and self-help since 18 years old. I had taken couple extra, extra couples counseling courses. I used to love reading romance research, right? It's always been an interest of mine, philosophy and psychology. I was doing it, right? But it wasn't until the pain and actually experiencing it on a visceral level that I was able to now be it. 
And then also I was like, and here's how I feel, here's how you know your purpose. When you go, oh my God, I never want anyone else to experience that again. And now I have a deep understanding because I've been studying it and also visceral experience of what it's about. And now I can teach at a very deep level and it emerged sort of out of that. And so I think the lesson in that for every single one of us right now engaged in this conversation is to go back and look at your pain and, and essentially go, what is it about the people I was exposed to, the ones that helped me and hurt me, the passions that I engaged in, the pain, my superpowers, right? And, and my unique personality that allows me to now teach something different. Most of us don't want to look at that at all. We just go, I don't want to look at the emotional abuse or physical abuse or betrayal or any of the stuff that has happened to me in my life. I, I want to avoid it uh, at, at all costs. But instead, what I started doing, I did this, started doing this with myself and with my clients is looking deeply at their pain and saying, wow, isn't that interesting that your pain is uniquely suited along with your passions and your superpowers to make you be able to teach something that no one else can in a voice that only you can. And then that brings you to things like this, starting a podcast, writing a book, uh, putting out content. Sometimes and most of the time, it has nothing to do with sharing it with anyone but the human in front of you. And this is how I think we humans uh, grow and make a difference. Great stuff. So we've been bouncing around the words next level human and some people who are familiar with your content will obviously know what we're talking about, but others aren't. Can you talk to us a little bit about, so you went through that kind of troubling time in your life and then that's kind of what led you and, and spiraled you to even further down this role, uh, road, yeah. right? So then we get into the next level human stuff. And what I want to talk about, because I, I listened to one of your episodes today, Nicole sent over to me. She's like, hey, listen to this before Jade gets on. Uh, and it's, it's all about your next level human stuff. And you talked about three levels of human. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what a next level human is or tell us what those three levels of human are? Yeah. Well, first of all, the name next level human is very, um, it's intentional. And the reason why is because uh, next level means we are essentially competing with ourselves. It's not higher level for a reason, right? It's not better than, it's simply about competing with ourselves to get better. Now, this, what I'm getting ready to share with you comes out of a deep, deep dive, my, my sort of background in psychology and philosophy and putting lots of different things together. So those of you who are interested, I'll just briefly go through this, but if, you're inter if you know what attachment theory is, you'll find attachment theory in here. If you know what um, reciprocity style is, you'll find that. If you know what the big five psychology rubrics are, you'll find that. If, you, if, you, if you're interested in love languages, that's in here. You'll find deep amounts of stoicism and Kantianism and Taoism in this sort of philosophy. But ultimately what I've done is distill this down into sort of three levels of human. Now, each of us have all three of these in us all the time. So it's, I don't want you to think in terms of like, well, I'm all this, or all this. No, we all are this. There's times where I go base level, which I'll tell you here in just a minute. A lot of us have to stay sort of culture level. And then at times we're acting next level. The goal though is, is that we get to a point where we are interacting on a next level human basis most of the time. So here's the way to think about this. The base level human is really our lizard brain self. It's our survival self, right? It's our child brain self. It's the one that craves safety, and certainty. So if you remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs from your basic psychology class, 
This is that particular human who needs to have a base of needs, food and security and some level of certainty. Now, one of the things is you can think of this as your child self, because think about a child, right? At six years old, the world revolves around you. You're not aware of anyone else. Your, your parents basically are taking care of all your needs, and you're not really aware of anyone else's needs at that time. You're not conscious of the fact that mom and dad might be stressing about finances or you know, any of this kind of stuff. So the world revolves around you. Base level humans are all about uh, basically safety and they have, they live by the model of almost like it's me against the world. So we know people like this. These would be sort of the people who have to win, the people who chase power, right? They want to be powerful. And the reason they want to be powerful is guess what? The most powerful person around has no one to deal with their safety issues. They feel the most secure around. So base level humans are chasing power. Culture level humans are sort of our adolescent self. This is the teenage self. This is the status driven self. So whereas base level types are chasing power, culture level types are chasing popularity, right? It's all about looking good. Like I wanna look good to Nicole and Duran and I want them to like me and what can I say and how can I behave for them to look at me a particular way? And what can I say and how can I virtue signal online and all these kinds of things so people will quote like me, right? So base levels chasing power, culture levels chasing popularity. And then we have the next level self. The next level self escapes adolescence. Now I'll say this, most of us never do this. Most of us stay in adolescence our entire lives until the time we die. And one of my favorite philosophers is Alain de Botton. And he says that the midlife crisis is simply the final opportunity to escape adolescence. I don't even like the word midlife crisis. I like to call it a midlife awakening. But once you start to get away from popularity and power and start getting more into purpose, where, where Duran says, you know what, I've got my background, I'm a teacher, I'm a personal trainer, I've done these things, and now I wanna parlay this into a podcast and a, a, you know, a teaching platform. And you listening do the same thing, and Nicole starts to go, I don't wanna just live from a popularity standpoint anymore. I don't wanna be the smartest person in the room anymore. I'm not here to win, I'm not for, here to, for you to like me. I'm now here to do something unique with my skill set, my signature strengths. This is when you start going into your next level self. So very simply, a next level human is a person who prioritizes purpose and growth over popularity and power. And the more you start to operate from that level, the more you leave those childlike behaviors and those adolescent type behaviors behind, and the more you begin to live a very purpose-driven life. And so all of a sudden, if you want me to simplify it for you, you are prioritizing two things, your own personal growth, but for the very reason to grow others. And I'll give you a, an example for this to draw, draw it all home. If we're all on a plane and all of a sudden the plane starts hitting turbulence and the plane's going down and the oxygen masks fall, what a base level human will do is put their oxygen mask on first, and then try to take off, and every time they see someone try to put their oxygen mask on, they'll try to rip it off, right? They'll wanna be the only ones with the oxygen mask on. That's base level behavior. Let me win, I wanna dominate. Culture level behavior is sort of the opposite to that. It's like, oh, let me, let me help you with your mask. Let me help you with your mask. Let me help you and never put mine on. So each is destructive, right? In a sense, <laughs> the base level person is left alone and loses power even though they were chasing it because there's no one else to be powerful over. The culture level self, loot loses and passes out due to popularity, the next level person puts their oxygen mask on 
and then looks around at all the people in their vicinity that they can help. Not everyone on the plane, but just the ones that they can, that are near them. So they help their neighbor, they help this person. Maybe they can get over there and help that person. This is the difference. It's not, I help me at the expense of you. It's that I help me and you. This is what a next level human does. They integrate the two. And this to me is the goal of purpose. This is what purpose actually is. It's the humble recognition that I, Jade, that you, Duran, that you, Nicole, that all you listeners have a unique voice and a unique skill set that only you can bring to the world and that we need you at your post. When you recognize that, you're operating from a next level human point of view. It's interesting you say that because when I look at next level human and purpose, I feel like if you're fulfilling your purpose, that status, that popularity, and that power should naturally fall into place as long as you're doing the right thing by yourself and your own life, right? Like I, I watch, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Eric Thomas. I'm not actually, no. So I watch a lot of Eric Thomas. He's uh, on Instagram. He's ET, the hip hop preacher, and he's big on purpose. And he's like, you're not successful because you're not operating in your purpose and everybody has a gift and everybody needs to operate in that gift. So that's kind of his thought process around that. And then everything, and then you, when you fulfill your purpose and you go all into your purpose, then you start to climb the ladder of success and all of those things that, you know, I almost feel like it's uh, Greg Glassman uh, who started CrossFit. He said this, he said, when you chase, I'll use the money as an example, but when you chase money, you miss the mark. Uh, When you chase the quality, that's when the, the money starts coming in. So I almost feel like with the purpose, it's kind of the same concept. When you chase your purpose, Everything else that you're not even focused on that's in the background, that just comes along with it. It's a really interesting point because here's the thing. Uh, when you're operating from this next level place, you have, used, you have your power and popularity, right? You're just using them not to take advantage of other people or to gain status points. You're right. using them in a way to progress yourself and the world. And so I love that you sort of point that out because it's not that you don't have these things. We all, you know, Again, some of us go base level. And by the way, base level behavior is useful, right? Part of being a next level human is knowing when you need to go base level, right? Like if if someone uh, takes advantage of me and is doing certain things to me, I'm going to have to set up boundaries and standards and say, no, that's very protective. That's safety oriented. That is a base level behavior. So I need to know when to exert power. I also need to be able to interact with individuals and influence them. So I need some culture level sort of understanding. The point is I should be leading from purpose, like you said. And when you begin to do that, all of a sudden things begin to change. You're not trying to be right and win an argument. You're trying to learn. You're not trying to be the most popular person in the room. You're trying to learn. You're actually trying to grow yourself and help others. And it's a very different way of living that when you wake up to it, you kind of go, why, why didn't I do this? Before, everything starts to get easy because you no longer have expectations. Assumptions begin to go away. You're worried mostly about your own growth and you're not, you know, you're sort of thinking, this is a person I want to help. You'll know if you can or not, right? Because you'll know you're within your boundaries and things start to figure themselves out. And by the way, when you move from, let's say, culture level to um, sort of next level and purpose, one of the things that happens is, a distinction that I'll make and see what you and Nicole think about this, the distinction between happiness and fulfillment. A lot of people think we should be chasing happiness, but happiness is meaning-based. It's something that's fleeting. Like 
I could be best friends with Nicole and get meaning from her when she's around, but Nicole can also leave, right? And then my happiness leaves and my meaning leaves. However, when I have fulfillment, I can be in deep pain. I can lose my father. I can have different things happen, but I still know inside that I feel some pride and a sense of belonging and mattering in the world. So happiness is contingent on other things and meaning around you. Fulfillment is what we really should be after. And that can only come from a purpose uh, sort of approach, in my opinion. You got the jitters. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, (laughs) it's funny because I've heard you mention on the uh, cultural level human when you're out trying to help other people, it's, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like it's almost like you're helping other people to give yourself happiness and you're not actually fulfilling yourself. And then when you become that, I've heard you talk about this, where you become that next level human and you're still helping people, but not at the expense of yourself. Yes. Right. Yes. And I'll, 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 for everyone listening, wonder how to do this to make it practical. Here's how you begin this process. And I'll show you. So I told you a little bit about my story. So here I am at rock bottom. And by the way, that's a great place to start. So I got to see who was the human I did not want to be. And from that place, I got to say, who is the human that I want to be? So I did this very weird thing at the time. I don't even know why. I mean, I've done so many self-help development seminars. I'm sure it was just sort of marinating in there, but I basically did what I called an honor code. And I basically put together sort of my way of living. Who was the human that I wanted to be? Obviously I had a big issue with honesty and loyalty, right? I had it from both sides. So I said, honesty is now gonna be my religion. Loyalty is gonna be my religion. Generosity and kindness are gonna be how I show up in the world, right? And once I did that, then I had this sort of honor code, but there's one piece that you have to have after that. I can go out there and do that in the world, but if I don't have boundaries and define what I won't stand for, like, think about this. If I want to be honest, guess what? I can't have dishonest people in my life anymore, period. I will not deal with dishonesty. That's a boundary. It, it takes one time. If you lie to me, if you do, and, and it's ironic, right, because of who I was in my past, but that's, that's how I am now. And that's how I roll now. So those boundaries stick with me. I just don't play. It's not one, it's not three strikes. You're out. It's one strike. You lie to me. I'm done. We're not friends. We're no longer in a romantic relationship. We're just, we are finished. You're, you're rude or you're, you're not kind. You're not someone who's going to be in my um, you know, sphere of influence. And so boundaries are absolutely critical to protect your next level self, because what will happen is, and actually this is a, um, Adam Grant's research is a really nice book on this for those who are interested. It's called Give and Take. And this goes into reciprocity style. And I'll just briefly discuss this really quickly because it's one of the biggest things I think people could take away. A giver attracts almost like a, a magnet, a taker, right? Of course they do because people go, oh, this person's going to give, give, give. This is the person that constantly lets you pick up the tab. This is the person that takes all your compliments, never gives you any. This is the perfect person always trying to elevate their status while trying to lower yours. We all know what this is like. As a giver, when you encounter that, you never are going to change a taker by continuing to be a giver. At that point, your boundaries kick in and you become a matcher. At that point, you just go, this person, I am not going to interact with with them this way. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not picking up the tabs for them anymore. I'm not going to give them compliments anymore. I'm going to now readjust my reciprocity style. Now, because givers are givers and we love to give, every once in a while you can give just like you always do. And then you can reality test, 
did they get the, the clue or not? Are they becoming more of a matcher now or are they still a taker? And this is how you want to level up as a human being. For some reason, when I talk about this next level human construct, construct, people think it's all about kindness. Well, that's not very next level of you to say that. I'm like, no, actually you're missing the point. A next level person has things that they will not tolerate. So if you show up, for example, on my um, social media profile and you're spitting out conspiracy theories for which you have no uh, you know, evidence for, I'm gonna call you out on that and you're gonna think I'm rude about it. Because to me, I will not tolerate that kind of dishonesty. To me, it's immoral on, in, a, in a sense to you know, say things that you have no proof for. Maybe you're right, but you can't say it unless you have proof. Just like you, know, you can't convict a felon based on your opinion, right? We need evidence for that. And so it's not about this whole you know, love and light, you know, woo-woo stuff. It's more about like, this is what I stand for. Here's how I show up in the world. And I have very strong standards that keep me there. And I think that's one thing that people miss because they, they wanna do this, uh, they miss the nuance, right? We wanna go, oh, you know, good versus bad, you know, black and white, you know, yeah. gray there. We have to have standards here. What I hear when you say that is that expansion of giving them the opportunity to actually make some of that. If you're a giver and you match or you're a taker and you match, like there has to be some sort of flexibility in allowing someone to actually create that change. I find that with girlfriends specifically because women can be very catty and I always try and feel that expansion. And if I feel like that doesn't match or something's off, then I will kind of pull back or push forward or set boundaries or whatever. But I feel like I try and give them the opportunity to do that. I think that's important too. Yeah. And you know how you do it too, right? It's, it's the, it's the, it's the um, ability to communicate. Right. The thing about next level humans is they're not afraid to communicate. Here's my honor code and here's my boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a Nicole's a giver that puts her foot down <laughs> and that's that's the good trait right it's like the next level is all right i give 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 but you know there's a point that i'm like i'm not giving on principle because of my philosophy and the way i need to live my life and the things that i need for myself right it's focusing on yourself and still being able to give to others with boundaries like you said yeah and that's interesting right because that's Daron being a really good next level friend here's the other mm -hmm. thing that we have when we are in this next level state, a next level friend is not just going to be like, I'm not going to tell Nicole, I don't want to hurt her feelings, right? A next level friend is going to be like, you know what, Nicole, here's, here's what I see. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but here's the pattern I see. One of the beautiful things about friendships and especially romantic relationships is that other people can see our blind spots better than us. We oh, yeah. can't really see our blind spots. They can see all our shit. We can't see that. We can't see our own. Right? We can see theirs, they can see ours. And a really great friendship is someone to say, I love you, right? I love you, but there's that thing again, <laughs> right over your shoulder. You can't see it, but I see it and it's there. And I'm just letting you know, you're, you, can, you can do this. I want you to know, right? So that's what, that's what Daron's doing with you, Nicole, right? If he tells you that, and we need to do that with each other as humans. And this is why I think once you start doing that, by the way, it's a beautiful thing that happens. All of a sudden, all the people in your circle who are, base level types begin to spin out yeah and all of a sudden you start getting these really amazing friends in your circle that actually grow you and then you get this feed forward virtuous cycle but first we have to change within ourselves and you know we always say we all know what this is like everyone listening right we have a friend who we're just like we know they're in some kind of relationship with someone maybe it's a boss at work maybe it's a romantic relationship maybe it's a sibling and we're just like 
I'm hearing the same thing from you over and over and over again, and you will not change the pattern. You need to do this, this, and this. Well, if only we could do that with ourselves, right? We, we need to be able to tell our friends, but we also need to look at ourselves and be like, okay, here's this pattern again. Radical responsibility. It's not them. It's me. If it keeps happening again and again, it's you. That's how you know. If it's the same pattern, <laughs> emotion and the same obstacles showing up, it's you. And if you don't start to admit that, you're never going to make this journey, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to add another note on that. Like if Nicole was on that functioning on that base level, she wouldn't even be able to accept the criticism, right? She would not. She would, she would have to win and she would be like, oh, he's attacking me and she would attack you back. Right. So that's another way. I was going to say, know. yeah. Yeah. It's another way, you know, because when you tell her, she's going to look at you. She, it's not that she might not go base level at first, right? Because there's always going to be that protective instinct. But a next level human who's operating at that level will go, ooh, I felt that emotion again. They'll check in with them. They'll just go, all right, what's that about? I want to grow. I want to get better. Let me take this as feedback, not criticism, right? This isn't about my safety or my popularity. This is about my friend offering me some feedback, which I can accept or not. And you'll see that oftentimes. So let's say she does blow up on you, right? And she's like, you know, I don't appreciate that, blah, blah, blah. But maybe she comes back later and goes, you know what? I thought about what you said and you're right or i thought about what you said and i don't agree with you but i'm sorry that i reacted the way i did right so it's not that you have to agree it's just that they come back and they go i considered it uh and and that's how we should be be acting as as humans yeah that's what i mean by giving people a chance i mean jerome and i have had plenty of those conversations in all three of those situations where i'm like yes okay you got me <laughs> mm-hmm. or I blow up at him and then I call him back an hour later and I apologize or vice versa. I mean, it can go either way, but I really, I find it very rare that you find people that you can be that open and honest and communicative with. And it's rare when you find someone that you can really have those raw, honest conversations with. I don't think so. It's an amazing connection. I'm going to, here's where I'm I'm going to, (laughs) here's where I'm going to disagree with that point is to Jade's point. It, for me, I don't feel like it's rare at this point in my life because all the people in my surroundings are those types of people, and and the the people outside of that group, like the people that I don't that are, that I don't speak to or talk to or call up or text on a regular basis, that I don't even see them. Right, those base level humans that are outside of the circle, that are, and we're talking not, you know, like Jade, you talk about how it's you kind of transfer between all of them, but where are you primarily living? And yeah. that, uh, are you primarily an, a next level human? So I feel like all the people in my circle, including you, Nicole, are those kind of next level or trying to get to the next level. And those are the people that I respect that are direct and I keep them close to me. And then everybody outside of that, they're just not in my circle. Mm-hmm. This, is a really, this is a really interesting discussion for all of us because we all know this too, right? So, because think about this. We know people who um, say, yeah, I don't have anyone around me like I get all the people out of my, like they, they just go on a tear, like, you know, uh, treating it like it's like a, a, you know, a job interview or something and firing, right, he's firing everybody. <laughs> yeah. everyone. And what happens is what you have to be careful of. There are people, some of them next level, some of them culture level who will stay in your circle simply because they long and they just don't want to have the conversation, but they, they, they tend to be very patient, you know, sort of people. So I would say you have to always look and just go, are they really telling me the truth or am I, all these people avoiding me because I really am an ass. You know what I mean? I really am, you know, sort of showing up in a way that's uh, abrasive and abrupt and not cool. Um, But there's a few people who tolerate me. And that's a fine line, right? Because I always say, 
it's a fine line between base level and next level, especially, and actually the leaders that you will see, you know, we're coming into political season here. The leaders will always be um, base level or next level. They'll very rarely be culture level. You'll see them, but they typically don't get elected because base level are very, very certain. And so are next levels usually. They both are very, very certain about being sort of right. It's just that next level types, you'll recognize them because they are open to feedback, but they have very strong standards. Whereas the base levels will be very reactive and narcissistic and like uh, always, always uh, correct and always the contrarian, right? Mm -hmm. Versus the next level types, you'll know where they're, they'll bend, where they can say, you know, they speak in terms like maybe, perhaps, um, you know, that's a, that's a good point. Whereas the other people are like, no, it's always this way. So they're very black and white, but you'll see those, those sort of differences. So we have to be, I think, um, aware of that with our friends. And that's where I think good communication and honesty come in. Cause then we can say, listen, you know, that thing that you, you know, you're complaining about with so-and-so, you know, you've done that to me. I've seen you do that to other people. I think you should consider the fact that maybe an adjustment of your behavior might be useful for you. You tend to chase people away or not have a lot of relationships. Once you, and, and I think this is, um, you know, sort of what you're bringing up here. Once you get on that level of relationship, some of those conversations can be really hard, but they are yeah. so rewarding because you just go, wow, I'm a better person as a result of, you know, knowing Nicole or whatever. And it just turns into a really, really nice uh, sort of feed forward mechanism. So next level friends, you know, make for, you know, great next level, uh, you know, sort of uh, up leveling humans. And so I love that idea. And, and to me, you know, there's a saying that people say people are practice. I really do sort of believe that. So I always do try yeah. to expose myself as much as possible to some of those base level people as well, because it helps me vet how triggered I am. I definitely can go base level at times. I'm, I'm <laughs> doing it quite a lot here recently, right? But every time is an opportunity for me to get better. Yeah. And I like those difficult conversations. I always feel like, I don't know, I grew up in a, in a family that everyone, we're Italian, we talk all over each other. Everybody's trying to get their points across. So I'm kind of used to having to like get in there and talk with my hands. I'm very animated. Um, so I find that really empowering, intriguing, and, and I have a lot of curiosity around it, which is why I feel like the next level, everything about it is just um, something, it's a practice. You can continue to work on it. I've, I've literally read pages and put the book down and been like, whoa, okay, hold on. I need to go take a walk and think about this and chew on this and then come back and read it again. And I love stuff like that. I think that's part of my purpose is to practice. Yeah. Here's, an, here's an interesting thing. Tell me if this has happened to you too, right? Like um, you read a book in your 20s, right? Then mm. you read that same book 10 mm -hmm. years later. Maybe <laughs> yes. Then you read it again and you're just like, whoa, mm -hmm. like this book is amazing, right? Like I did that with Viktor Frankl's uh, book, Man's Search for Meaning. It wasn't until mm. after, you know, I read it three times in my life, right? And it wasn't until, you know, uh, you know, after, you know, right around my late 30s that I was just like, wow. And it actually rang true at that point. And so something happens as you begin sort of understanding your pain and this process that we are all talking about that all of a sudden things open up to you. And now I play a little game, right, where it's just like most of the time I try to say, like, you know, you two invited me on the show. When I get invited, usually I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Let me see what this is about. And then I will resonate or not resonate, right? And then I just go, oh, I totally vibe with these two. But sometimes I just go, well, 
I'm just going to do it, right? I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, read this book this person gave me or read this article that ha- that's completely opposite of what I believe. And now I go looking for things that are different from what I believe. And that's a very different, and I do think that's a next level behavior that I've mm-hmm. adopted because what? I want to grow. I'm no longer interested in saying my way is the best. Now I'm interested in um, understanding all this stuff that I don't know, you know, so there's this idea in, um, in self-development and you guys have heard this, but maybe some of the listeners haven't, but there's, there's three zones of sort of knowledge, right? There's um, what we know, we know, right? Like we, the three of us all know, we know how to drive a car, right? There's what we know, we don't know, which I know I don't know how to fly a plane. Maybe you two do, but I, I can't fly a plane. I can drive a car, but I can't fly a plane. Now, most of the knowledge in the world is what we don't know, we don't know. The stuff that we're not even aware exists. And what happens is that stuff's getting dropped on us all the time. And we will dismiss it outright. I remember early in my uh, personal training career, I'm like, I'm a research nerd and I'm like, you know, fancy myself as like, you know, super smart or whatever. And I'm like into my stuff. And this guy brings up at the gym who I saw as, you know, I was operating from a very culture level place, right? So I saw him as less than me at the time, very arrogant sort of attitude. And he brings up this idea of this, uh, if you squeeze your muscles and tie rubber bands around your muscles and do certain things, your muscles can grow. And at the time I was just like, that's just stupid as hell. Like, I, <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about, right? Now this is a whole area of research that I had never even been exposed to or heard of. Later on, it became a, an actual, uh, you know, funnily yeah, enough, training. an expertise yeah. <laughs> of mine, right? This vascular occlusion and all these different ways that you could achieve that. But look at the way I reacted to something just because it sounded ridiculous to me. Meanwhile, it was being offered to me as a way to potentially grow. I lost three years of, of knowledge in the, in the field that I love because I was so closed off to this dude because I thought that I knew better, right? And we do that kind of stuff all of the time. Once we start moving into a next level state, we go, oh, that's interesting. Let me consider that. And especially if, if it triggers us and we're just like, that's stupid, we go, oh, I better look at that, right? So, you know, I better, and that's how I, I act with that stuff now. It's hugely important with wisdom and sort of growth in any field because I think once you decide to level up, you're going to get information to level up. You're going to have to get into that zone of what you don't know you don't know. And our base level certainty selves don't like what we don't know we don't know. We want to stay in the zone of what we know, right? Because that's where we feel powerfully, powerfully safe. And so or, or we want to act really like we know. Thing. We want to act like we know. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's funny because you talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and on the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that uh, fulfillment, that sense of purpose, mm. right? And that, then that goes into the next level human stuff. Yes. I want some, I want to get some, I guess some, some kind of takeaways, like how do we act in a way that will bring us towards, I guess, living more in that next level human space? What, what do we need to do as human beings and what are the realizations that we need to go through to get us to a place where we're primarily operating as a next level human. Yeah. So very simple. One of, one of the things we could all do right now, right? And if, and if you'd like to take notes on your phone or you have a journal or you just want to put it in your head, think about the things that you are afraid of, right? Think about the, the areas that you completely fail in. Think about the patterns that repeat and the emotions that repeat. Write these things down, right? So I'll, I'll use myself as an example and I'll, I'll get vulnerable with everybody here to use the, the catchphrase that's going on right now. So, you know, so some of my fears, I have a fear of flying, 
terrified. I'm not anymore. I'll tell you why. I cannot stand the ocean. The ocean bothers me. Sharks really, <laughs> really bother me. I have a disdain for fame for some reason. I don't know why I don't like fame, but it just bothers me. Like maybe I'm seeing my old arrogant self or whatever that just bothers me. So these are three areas, right, where I'm like, I hate fame. I hate the idea of like these famous people. I hate sharks. I, um, um, afraid of, you know, I struggle in finance. I earn really well, but I don't save and manage my finances well. So, right. So I kind of go down. If you want to know, this usually falls in four areas. Health and fitness is one. Personal relationships is one. Finance is one. And purpose and meaning is one. So normally your fears and failures and all this fall in these four jobs. Now you write those things down and you begin to tackle them. So I might say, you know what? One of the things, Jay, that has kept you from living a really amazing life is you don't travel because you don't like flying in a plane over the ocean. The ocean scares you and planes scare you, right? And so I am going to begin to chunk that down. So I'm going to go online maybe as a fear PR number one and do a search about all the different sounds in a plane and learn a little bit how planes and check out statistics and maybe talk to a pilot. The next thing I might do is like get in a Cessna or something like that and go for a short flight. Maybe then I'd start taking more flights. Maybe finally, after fear PR level three or four, I take a, a trip overseas, right? So in other words, no one becomes less fearful by avoiding their fears. I tell you what my fear is, and I begin to chunk it down. To make this simpler, I'll break it down like this. Is a, a, I usually use this example and people understand. Let's say that Nicole is afraid of being alone. She knows that. Like All our friends know that, and everyone knows this about Nicole. By the way, I have no idea if this is something Nicole <laughs> I don't, but let's say she is, she's afraid of being alone. Everyone knows she's an extrovert and has to have people around her all the time. Now, if she wants to chunk that down, right, this would be in the realm of personal relationships. She goes, I'm going to turn this into a fear PR and by fear PR in my world. And I know you're both of your world too, but for the listener, a PR in the, in the realm of strength and conditioning is a personal record. It's a personal best, right? And so what we're doing is we'll chunk Nicole's fear of being alone down. So we'll go, the fear PR level one, we're going to send Nicole out to the movies by herself. This is a, this is a low level fear PR because once she pays for the ticket and goes and sits down, the movie's going to distract her, right? So she just has to deal with that brief moment of time where she gets the ticket, gets her popcorn, goes, sits down, then she's distracted, right? The next time, so she conquers that and she goes, okay, I did that. Next time we send her to dinner by herself. Next time after that, we send her to dinner by herself without her phone. Now we're at fear PR level four. After that, we send her to a hotel alone overnight on the weekend, right? But she has to stay by herself. And finally, she begins to chunk this down. And maybe the final fear PR that she has set six months in advance is a trip to Paris for a week where she doesn't speak the language by herself. Now, can you see that by chunking these fear PRs down, how that would dramatically and forever change Nicole. It would give her a level of competence and confidence to attack life in an entirely different way. Most of us, we have these fears. First, we're not aware of them because we don't even think about them because we don't uh, revisit our patterns and our stuck emotions and this and that. We never sort of write them down and get conscious about them. And then we don't build these sort of fear PRs. By the way, any of you who know cognitive behavioral therapy, it's one of the most studied of all the psychological sort of tools. This is Nothing but cognitive behavioral therapy done on a, on a grand level with your life. 
And so this is the way you do it. And it's very much like the hero's journey. Let me explain to you what happens on the hero's journey, that, which all of us are going through. The hero's journey is like this. And by the way, anytime shit goes down, you need to go, is this part of my hero's journey? Anytime you, you run into pain, because here's what happens in a hero's journey. Think of any movie, The Matrix, Star Wars, Harry Potter, whatever you want, it all goes like this. Someone's going along and a lightning strike moment happens and everything changes irrevocably at that point. And at that point, this person is thrown into this struggle, right, of trying to regain balance. And in that struggle, they try different things. And they'll oftentimes run up against the same obstacles, the same obstacles. And there's almost always this point where they try something and they think it's going to work and they fail miserably during this process. But in that failure, an insight emerges. Something that feels like, oh, maybe this is it. And they act on that insight and everything begins to change at that point. They become their hero sort of self by understanding the pain at a deeper level, by wrapping themselves up in the struggle, not fighting against. This is a very Taoist type of thing. Get into the flow of the pain of life. And out of that emerges a new you. Now, all we're doing here with this fear PR is we're just creating. We're not rising to the occasion. We're creating the occasion. We're not waiting for the pain to hit. We're actually saying, I'm going to do this like this. I'm going to chunk this down. And this is how this, this works. So hopefully that makes sense. It's a very tangible way to approach this. And what I do when I work with high-end, you know, um, my high-end coaching in person, this is literally what I do. I've had people go out on the street and live as a homeless person for a weekend, and they've actually taken that stuff on. I've had people go on trips. One of the best things, by the way, with romantic loss, if you want to change everything really quick and get over someone, is you completely change everything you do. If, if you're able to, you move, you change, mm, yep. you go to a different city, you change everything. When you do that, your brain goes, who the hell am I? Mm -hmm. Wow, I get to be something brand new here. And that's what these fear PRs do. I love that. You know, that reminds me of, uh, there was a book I read that referenced a study. I don't remember. It was either motivational interviewing or influencer, uh, where they, they referenced a study with snakes and people who were afraid of snakes. And they mm -hmm. did just what you're saying is they took these people and they said, okay, let's kind of ease them into it and let's have them stand at a door looking in the window of the door and observe somebody holding a snake. Now they're not in the room. They're not in any present. They're not, there's no present danger, right? They're not inside of the room. And then they ease them in. And then the next time they brought them back in the room and they said, okay, you're just going to stand in the room and you're going to watch somebody else hold the snake while now you're in the room. And then you progress that, what you would call the PR, the fear PR, you'd progress that to, all right, at the end result is you're in the room by yourself with a snake and you're perfectly fine. Yeah, and they've done those with spiders. The, I love the spider study where literally they'll, with the tarantula, they'll have people who have arachnophobia, and within three hours, they go from being terrified of a spider, they make them watch a movie of spiders first, and they make them stand behind the aquarium like that, and they touch the, the, the aquarium, and they touch the spider with a stick, right? And then next thing you know, they voluntarily are like, okay, I'll hold the spider. And this is how powerful the seed stories and the way our brains work can be um, manipulated when we become aware of it, instead of being wrapped up in these fear funnels, basically, that's what we're basically doing. We're, we're just in this fear struggle constantly. And once we become aware of it and can chunk out this plan, all of a sudden this magic world opens up. And when it, when it happens the first time, by the way, if you can get through one of these, the first one, easy as earned is what I like to say. The first time you do this 
this chunking, it's tough. It could take years. The next time it takes less time. Maybe if maybe it was five years for the first one, next one takes two years, then all of a sudden you're you you're killing this in like months, right? Just like we might all three of us might be in the gym with, you know, getting a PR on a bench press. All of a sudden you're just like, oh my God, there's that thing again. Let me write it down. Like I have issues with expressing my emotions. I always get caught here. I always end up being bitter, you know, at people. Like I have this bitter feeling because I don't tell them how I feel in the beginning. I expect them to, to know how I feel and I expect them to get it, but I never actually told them. I keep running into this. I'm going to work on communicating, right? And so all of a sudden, the next relationship you get in, you, when, the first time it comes up, you go, hey, can, I have a, can we have a conversation? Because you've learned and that's the beginning of that fear PR. And that's a really good one, by the way, for everyone, because all of us humans have it. So if you want to do this, first you have the difficult uh, you know, like, let's say you have a difficult relationship with your mom. Your mom is a, a terror to you or whatever. Well, first thing you do is have a difficult conversation with your best friend. Then maybe your sister. Then maybe a stranger. And then you, you start having these difficult conversations. And then the right moment presents itself. And you have an, a life-changing conversation with your mom because you took it upon yourself to, to learn. Right. And this is the power of this. Now I have a question for you. How do you, how do you put that into other things? Like, you know, Nicole and I talk to clients about a lot of stuff. And when some of the dialogue that I see with a lot of people is just unhappy or unfulfilled in their career, I think is a huge, huge topic. And it's something that comes up often. So how do you kind of take this approach with what somebody does for work and, and to make themselves financially stable? Right. And I know that everybody's in a different place. Right. So for some people, they can't just jump ship because they have a family. For other people, it's a little bit easier because maybe they're younger. They live at home with their parents. You know, for some people, they live on their own. They have one income. So, you know, there's difficult decisions to be made there. But how do we put that into someone's career? Yeah. It, and actually, this is this is a direct quote. I won't get the quote exactly right from Viktor Frankl's book. And it says, when we are in an unchangeable situation, like this was a guy who was in four different concentration camps. It, his freedom was taken away. He goes, when we are in an unchangeable situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And so what happens is when individuals are looking and having this thing that they're butting up against constantly, to me, I go, this is now an opportunity for you to change yourself. So now here's, here's examples of this. Work. I hate my work. I hate my work. I'm miserable at work. Well, guess what? Now let's say you're stuck there. There's nothing you can do. This is your livelihood, right? You, you know, you can, though, change the way you show up at work. You can change the way you interact with people. You can just change. You can start doing and fulfilling your purpose elsewhere. I think everyone runs into this because they're just like, my career and my work has to be the thing where I feel fulfilled. And I would say, no, most of the time, it finances where you will feel, you will feel fulfilled. I'll give you an example for, you know, um, my, my mother is someone, she's an artist, so she does do this work. She loved, she felt fulfilled in her work, but she still had this nagging because of her steed stories and abuse when she was a child. She had this thing where she wasn't worthy, pretty much her whole life didn't feel worthy. Now, there's nothing she could do with, with that other than, and here's, here's the way to do it, is you find that pain in someone else and you look to heal it in them. Right. So, for example, imagine you're someone who hates your work, got into a job that you, you don't love. And then you go, you know what? I am going to mentor someone and teach them and 
show them or even with my kids to instill in them always do something you love. My dad hated his job every second, but his purpose, his purpose that he chose was father. Now purpose, if it was just me as his son, that's meaning, but he chose purpose because he was a coach for other kids. He took in my cousins, he even took in adults, you know, later on as an adult, he is a father figure. He chose that. But one of the things that he did is he looked and instilled in us, Jade, always do something you love. So part of the reason I was able to leap and take the big risk I did to get where I am is because of my father's purpose and his uh, obstacle of his career. Sometimes we have to, as humans, essentially say, this is my life and it's part of my purpose. My lot in life, what has happened to me is directly related to how I'm supposed to happen back. So if you're confused about your purpose, look at your deep pain and find how you can heal that pain in others. And all of a sudden, those things start to dissolve and it's almost like magic, right? So you find your purpose elsewhere. You volunteer, you do different things, you pour your resources into your you know, creative pursuits and you know, writing or painting or whatever it is you do and you share that stuff. By the way, it's, you ha in order for it to be purpose, it has to be something you share with the world, something I call relinquum amor, which means leave your love. And by love, I think the greatest way we humans love is to create and then share those creations freely without expectation you know, or assumption that anyone's gonna give us anything back. That's how you do this. And so anytime you're bumping up against an obstacle like that, that is an immovable obstacle, now you, you have to go, it's on me. I have to change myself. How else? am I gonna generate fulfillment if it doesn't come from my job? And that's on each human to spin that magic. We're, we're emotional alchemists in a sense as humans, right? And so we have to learn to spin that in a different way. If you don't, you will become crushed under the weight of that. But we know it can be done. If, if, by the way, if anyone listening to this, you're like, Jade, I still don't get it. Go read Man's Search for Meaning. It literally talks all about this. So you bring that up. That brings me to one other thing that I've heard you talk about is uh, it's kind of about what you leave behind, like kind of like mm -hmm. your legacy in terms of who you're impacting and, and, and what your impact is on the world. So can you talk a little bit about that as it pertains to the topic? Yeah. And you know, I'll use the two of you with this podcast, right? One of the things that happens as humans is we go, I want to do this thing. And then we go, oh no, but Jade already has a podcast and this person has a podcast too and they're doing it and they say it and I don't know, I'm just saying the same thing they're saying. Well, the first part of this is to essentially go, wait, I have a unique voice that is me. I could say the exact same thing that Jade is saying and some people will just love me and hear me because they can't stand the way that dude looks and he's got a weird accent and he's got a bald head and I, they just don't like him, right? We are uniquely tuned to this. So here's what legacy in my mind is. It's not an ego-based thing. Legacy is the humble recognition that I have a unique voice and unique signature strengths that I must leave the world. And I must do it in a way without asking for anything back in return. And this to me is like, uh, the best way I like to explain this is like when we are born as humans, it's like a, like a stone dropping into a pond. And when that stone hits the water, it basically creates this ripple effect. Now, that stone then sinks to the bottom of that lake, but long after it has stopped and it's at the bottom, those, those ripples are still going. That's what I feel like we as humans need to think about. It's not what we have for ourselves, it's how we positively impact the world 
when we're gone. Wouldn't it be awful if we live this life and as a result of living this life, we leave it, uh, those ripples are destructive things that sink people's boats and, and, and don't help them at all. Or wouldn't it be beautiful is of, by us, uh, you know, putting our stuff freely out into the world, we help people, we help float them, get them to shore, help them realize their true potential. And isn't that what you'd want to be when we look back on our deathbeds as humans, right? To me, I have this idea of the warrior, you know, back in warrior cultures, I want to die a good death. Well, to me, a good death to me means when I'm on my deathbed, I can look back and say, a huge generosity bank account. I helped a lot of people. I didn't ask for anything in return. And I did my job as a human. My mom oftentimes tells me when I went through the roughest time in my life, she said, Jade, you just got to take a lot of long walks and do your job. And what she meant by do your job was live your purpose. That's all you can do. So we have to do our job and we have to leave it, leave our love. What most people do is the last thing I'll say, what most people do is they go, I want it. Come on, love me. Look at me. Appreciate me. Uh, you know, give it to me, right? This is very base level and culture level. A next level human goes, you know what? I do want to be loved. I'm only human. But I know the best way to do that is to love freely as a result. And maybe it comes back to me and maybe it doesn't, but I want to leave the world a better place. When you're operating from that standpoint, that is true legacy in my mind. It's powerful stuff. That brings us to like the six, you talk about the mastering the six powers. Mm. And sh I think sharing is one of them, correct? Yeah, sharing is, sharing, is the la sharing is the last one. And so I'll go through this mm -hmm. really quickly. And actually, we've okay. really covered this in a, yeah. in a way already. Because when I talk about the hero's journey, mm -hmm. right? So the hero's journey is literally six steps. Um, I call them the six powers. And they're easy to remember because it goes by the acronym POWERS. The first one is P, perception, right? Which we talked about this idea of who do I want to be aware of my negative patterns and how do I need to see the world differently now? Change my seed stories. That's the first one. So we've covered all of these. The next one is ownership. Once we're aware of our seed stories, we have to radically take radical responsibility for what shows up in our lives. We have to be the thing. We write our honor code and we decide here is who I'm going to be. Now at this point, Perception, ownership. Guess what? At this point, there's going to be all these things you didn't know you didn't know that you need to know if you're going to live your purpose. This is where wisdom comes in. So now powers, perception, ownership, wisdom. Now you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to listen to podcasts. You're going to have to educate yourself. You're going to have to keep an open mind. Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. So POW, perception, ownership, wisdom, and then the fear PR comes in, engagement plus resolve, ENR. Engagement is all about choices and actions. And resolve is all about fears and failures. Once you take the choices, once you take those actions, you're going to get your ass beat. That's life. You're going to get smacked around. The idea that you think you're just going to show up and do these actions and take the choices and it's not going to be hard. No, easy is earned. And so engagement and resolve are where the game is played, right in there. And then the final part of this is the S on the powers acronym. And that is sharing. Once you've mastered this, you are not at that next level until you can say, now I will pay it forward. Now I will share it as legacy. Now I will relinquish more. I will relinquish my love. I will leave my love for other people. It's part of what you're doing here. And if you're confused about that, just think about what you bring your creative spirit, your unique creative voice and spirit to the world. 
This podcast is Relinqua Memore. It's leave your love. It is the sharing principle, right? And then the whole thing sort of repeats again. And you go through that because you'll run into over and over again. You go, oh, here's another perception block. Okay, I got to take responsibility for that. Ownership. Okay, there's some things I got to learn. Wisdom. Okay, now I got to act on it and do the thing and be the thing. And now I got to leave it again. Now I got to teach it again. And that's how this, this works as you learn as a human. You just keep circulating through these six principles. And notice what that is. It's the hero's journey. It's the hero's journey. And it never ends. So guess what? It's going to happen again. I, I don't know what it's going to be. It's probably going to be losing a loved one. I know it's coming. You know, it's going to be, you know, and I know it, it's a huge fear of mine. I know it's coming, right? Or it's an illness that I have to go through. I know that's coming. And this is the other thing that we humans have to understand. We each have to have four heroes' journeys we go through. We have to deal with the problem of freedom. We have to deal with the problem of meaninglessness, the problem of loneliness, and the problem of death. All four of those things, we humans have to deal with that. All of us, you, us three, everyone listening. And the more you engage in this powers and this sort of next level human journey, the more you are prepared to take those things on. It's almost like a video game. You are here to get through those four levels. And trust me, life is going to really bring it to you. You don't get out of here without going through those four things. And the faster you get on board and start working this six powers, these principles, the better and more fulfilled you're going to feel in life. Because imagine this, right? You're in the storm of life and you got no anchor and no lighthouse. Of course you're terrified. Now imagine this, you got an anchor and a lighthouse, an honor code and a purpose, right? That's your anchor and your lighthouse. Doesn't mean you're not scared, but it means at least I know where I'm going. And if I go down in this storm, cool, but I know where I was headed and I know what I was all about. And that is a much better place to be as a human being. It's funny, you kind of bring it back to the podcast. And for us, you know, I look at Nicole and I, myself with 15 years experience in the, in the field, learning, educating myself, my degree in nutrition and dietetics, right? And then Nicole with 20 years of experience and learning and educating herself. And it's like the powers thing to get to the S. Like that's not something that happened overnight. That took us a combined 35 <laughs> years time. of experience. <laughs> and then finally we're like, all right, we're ready to share. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And guess what? Here's what everyone <laughs> should know this too. And I don't know if you guys, I can imagine because I've been there too, right? And here's the thing, as brilliant as you two are, you're going to doubt it every single time. You're going to look out there and be like, well, I'm not as smart as Jade or I'm not as smart as this person or I don't know this. And my whole thing is, yes, you are. And more so there's things that you can teach that I have no idea about. We need you at your post. And this goes for everybody listening to this. What we do is we go, oh no, Jade's already doing it or this person's already doing it. And I'm telling you, we need you doing this. It is absolutely critical that you are doing this. If you're not here, the world is not enhanced in the way it could be. That is so important for all of us to recognize. Good stuff. Real powerful podcast. So I love amazing. This. I know. I love this. Jade, man. I I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate this episode. I appreciate your insight. And for anybody who doesn't follow Jade, Instagram handle? Yeah, at Jade Tita is a great place to get me. I will do my best to answer DMs, so please reach out. Yeah, awesome stuff. Check out Jade's podcast. Check out his books. I, I really appreciate what you're doing, and, and I really hope to, to see more from you in the future and, and you continue to, to grow and develop. And as you develop yourself, you know, obviously your, your style changes and, and the things that you want to deliver and put out in the world, they change as well. And uh, I just really appreciate the content that you're putting out, man. 
I, I really appreciate you, brother. Nicole, thank you so much as well. You thank are, you, you so much. Thank you so much. Good stuff, man. Jade, I appreciate you coming on. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, comment below, and give us five stars, and you'll hear us next week.